It's time for the Rose Chat Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the world's most beloved flower, the rose. Join award-winning gardeners Chris Van Cleef and Teresa Byington as they chat with rose lovers and experts from around the globe. With each episode, you'll gain valuable knowledge and insights to achieve the rose garden you've always dreamed of. Listen now as we explore the world of roses. Hey friends, today I'm chatting with Heidi Mortensen. Heidi is the Rose Portfolio Manager from Star Roses and Plants. In her role, Heidi directs the introduction of roses from breeders around the world. In addition to working with the breeders, she works closely with growers and sales reps and retail leaders and liner suppliers and anyone who loves and wants to talk roses. So she's in the right place today. Hey, Heidi, welcome to Rose Chat. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, we're just thrilled. Heidi, from the sound of things, you do talk to a lot of people about roses. I do. Yeah, I love it. Every day, all day. (laughs) (laughs) I just love it. So how did you get into this kind of work? Yeah, you know, I have always loved horticulture. Um, So I actually was a, a physics major in college, and I happened to get a job at um, a, a, a landscape crew and they had a little greenhouse where they grew flowers mm. and I got a chance to get my fingers dirty and I realized you know I don't want to go to the stars I want to stay right down in the dirt so I switched over into horticulture and uh, I've never looked back so over the years I've, I've been in horticulture for it's been over 23 years now so um did a lot of time in retail. So I was a nursery manager in Utah while I was going to school. So um, I've done a little bit of everything. I've done garden writing. I've uh, launched new garden centers across the Northeast, um, brand management, uh, even did personal gardening for a while in landscape design. So when, um, when I was a horticulture director at the company called Blue Seal Feeds, in the Northeast in upstate New York. I happened to go on a tour of Star. Um, That was back when it was Connor Pyle and it was right after Knockout first came out. And it gave me my first look into the world of plant introduction and I fell in love. And I knew that day, someday I was gonna work for Star. So, you know, it was about 15 years later before I um, had enough experience to be able to join the team, and I'm just so proud to work for a 125-year-old rose company, and it's just amazing. Every day I learn something new, and uh, I look forward to learning more. Oh, um, what a wonderful company. You know, a rich heritage, uh, wonderful people. Um, got to spend a little time with Jacques through the years and, you know, learned a lot from him. It just, uh, you're with a good crew. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very blessed. Yep, yep. Historically sound. Um, so last year, it was predicted that one of the main trends in gardening I read was a return to cottage garden, my favorite, and grandmother flowers. So I feel like you can't be around cottage gardening and grandmother flowers very long at all without bumping into roses. Is that something you guys found to be true? Oh, absolutely. In fact, we just are wrapping up our 2024 kind of booking season and the, and the trend is continuing and it's very, very strong. People are coming back to roses and, and they're wanting to explore and, 
experiment, which is beautiful. Um, so they're looking for things that we're seeing people looking for is high petal count, um, those old fashioned garden roses they think about like in their grandma or their great grandma's gardens. Mm -hmm. And, and they want that experience too, especially with a fragrance. So mm -hmm. that's definitely, uh, we are definitely seeing a very, very strong trend there. Well, something I saw on Instagram was a young friend of mine. She's very accomplished, very professional. And she put on Instagram one day that um, it was the best day, one of the best days of her life. She had picked flowers from her garden and was, was taking and taking them to a friend. So I know that, it, and you just see everyone saying, I want a cutting garden, you know, and you just really can't have a cutting garden without beautiful roses at some point. And I think people are a little bit afraid of them, but they needn't be, right? Yeah, it's interesting. We're not really um, see, seeing that fear anymore, I think. I think, the, I think the gardeners of this generation, COVID kind of forced a lot of people who were kind of surface gardeners. Maybe they had a few houseplants, um, you know, or maybe they just had a, a, a basic landscape they were maintaining it, it, it forced them into looking into, into experimenting with them. And for, and the beautiful thing is they don't seem to be hesitant with roses um, mm -hmm. because they want that experience. And like you said, roses is a vital part of um, the experience of a cut flower garden. Well, it, it, for me, you know, I remembered something. I didn't know what. It was many years before I realized this fragrance that I had in my head from my childhood was probably a hedgerow of maybe rugosas or something. Because that's when I started growing rugosas myself, I went, oh, that's it. So the grandmother thing is so true. Um, there was an article that I read that said that Home Depot said in April that there was one plant that was booming in popularity this year and it was roses. So, so I think it was pretty much across the board, you know, people were running out of roses and that's a, yeah. great, that's a great thing. <laughs> it, it is. It's um, we, we still have not uh, caught up to the demand that uh, Americans are hungry for, for roses, mm -hmm. you know, ro uh, bare roses take about two years in the ground and, um, it the the trend is still very strong, so which is which is wonderful. It's it's great that roses are becoming a normal part of the landscape again. Yes, it is wonderful. Um, are there speaking of trends? Um, are there colors that are more popular than others that you're seeing? Yeah, you know it depends on where the roses are being sold. I think there's different trends across different platforms. What we're seeing for our online sellers is definitely those creamy, um, ivories, uh, kind of paler, kind of pastels. Because um, a lot of times in retail, they go for the strong, impulsive colors, right? So um, people are hungry for something a little different. And so they look online for, for that, those colors. Mm -hmm. um, we're also seeing a strong demand for uh, roses that have kind of a cedar or brownish undertone to them because mm -hmm. uh, it's a really difficult feature to find in roses paired with disease disease resistance so lots of people looking for that for that color range yeah I um, think it, in flowers across the board people are looking for that that cafe ale sort of look mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah Inter very interesting 
Yeah. And I would say too, um, you know, it's funny with yellow roses, yellow's always been kind of a steady color in roses. If you look at the long sales history of star, yellow's always kind of just kind of stood still. Um, but with, with online sales, um, yellow seems to have been growing in popularity. So the demand for yellow is out there. It's just, you couldn't really find a whole lot of them. So um, that's good to see too. I'm seeing some, a lot of roses that are yellow to the gold too. And um, I don't remember seeing as many of those before, but there's some really rich, deep uh, golden yellow colors that are, are coming out now. Um, another thing, what about growing in containers? Is that something that's speeding up or? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially um, with the, with the price of housing market, the housing market right now, you know, people have generally uh, smaller spaces or they're, or they're living in ADR units in their backyard of their parents, or, you know, everyone has um, a lot smaller space. So we definitely see that part of our trialing process um, that we do at star is a rose has to perform well in containers. Mm-hmm. So um, we, it's definitely, it has become a normal part of our process because we know that a lot of people are going to be putting them in containers and enjoying them that way. Oh, and it's such a wonderful way. <clears throat> I have roses everywhere, but, but it is so nice to have those that are just right up where you live and right where you are. And, and that is a really special thing to, to get to have them, you know, really close to you. Yeah. And, and I, I Oh, go sorry. Go ahead. I was go just going to say, I think people too, consumers are looking for things to put in containers that can last for more than just a few months in the summer, you know, something that comes back and also still has that flower power. So, you know, some of the things we're selecting for is longer bloom period. You know, a lot of times roses have a little rest in the summer, um, but we're really trying to select for roses that, that don't rest as much so, so that people, when they put them in a container, can enjoy that flower uh, from spring through fall. Mm-hmm. And there's so, <clears throat> of course, we have beautiful annuals, but, but, you know, perennials don't give us that. So, but roses do. So they're one of the few perennials that you can just count on for summer long beauty. And I, I think I'm seeing um, a return to maybe crafts with flowers uh, on Instagram. I'm seeing that so many people are like pressing their flowers and they're drying flowers and roses are perfect for that. Yeah, absolutely. We're um, starting to see in stores, especially even in, even in the mass market, once something goes <clears throat> into mass market, it's definitely like very trendy and dried flowers is one of those. So, and almost in every dried flower arrangement you see, um, there are roses. So uh, definitely a trend that we're watching as well. As a, as a grower of many roses, I, I clip them and clip them, and I literally have bowls. Roses just do, a lot of roses hold their shape, um, a bit of their color. I mean, they're just really beautiful dried. And some of them, um, the smaller heads, I just let them dry, you know, put a little water in there for a while, and then it just dries, and they just kind of dry in these bunches. I mean, it's beautiful. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot of extra that you have to do to get them to dry pretty. Now, if you're going for keeping the exact color and that kind of thing, you might need some silicon or something to dry them in. But honestly, I mean, they just dry so pretty. So many roses are are great for that one. Yeah, we actually... 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say uh, one thing to look for in roses is uh, that dry well is um, there are some roses that we call that clean really well, but that's just another term for that they, their petals shatter easily so that they clean quickly and they tend not to dry as well. So if you see that terminology um, in your product description that says cleans well, that probably means that it has a really uh, thin petal and that it would shatter quickly. So um, if you're if that's a big part of, of what you're looking to do, try and stay away from roses that have that descriptor. But we do love roses <clears throat> that do, <clears throat> excuse me, we do love roses that clean well. So yeah. they just, uh, they don't need us to fuss with them. They just keep coming back. So exactly. that's a wonderful <laughs> attribute, but maybe not the best if you're looking to dry them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk fragrance. That's the big thing. Something that every rose lover is interested in. So tell us about fragrance. Yeah, you know, when I, when I first started at Star, the first, question I got anytime I visited a grower or a retailer or anybody in the street, everyone asked Heidi, where is the fragrance? Where did it go? Why, why, how did fragrance get bred out of roses? Um, and so it was definitely something that everyone was looking for. And, uh, I don't know if you know, Otto and Sons, they're a really big, uh, mm -hmm. rose mm -hmm. grower in California. So I think Scott, Scott there, uh, he put it best. He says, you know, the color draws them in and the fragrance seals the deal. Um, <laughs> Isn't people, that true? Yeah, it's, and it's so true. You know, whenever we're big initiative at Star Roses and Plants is the experience. <clears throat> so not only performance, but we want people, we want to draw them in with an amazing flower shape and a color. And then we want you to, because the first thing everyone does, right, is put their noses in the roses. <laughs> That's what yes. I like to say. And and because they just they expect it, and so um, we have looked across our entire portfolio of roses. We have a lot of breeders that we work with, and we've put together a collection of our most deeply fragrant roses. Not just like you got to really smell it, roses like ones that you can walk by and, and you can smell without even putting your nose in. And we put that collection together under our Bloomables brand, um, and it's called Scentables. So uh, we nice. have some amazing ones in there. Some of them are older roses that have been around a long time. Um, and some of them are brand new. And we are introducing every year at least one uh, new rose specifically um, for this collection. Nice, nice. Well, <clears throat> just in, <clears throat> excuse me, just in randomly, um, buying the beautiful roses and, and I don't just go for scent, um, <laughs> because yeah. I, you know, I love the shapes. I love the colors and, and the styles, but, um, you just are in general seeing, um, more fragrance. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of, um, people in the rose industry who are developing products and working with breeders are beginning to select for fragrance. It's really hard, though, because fragrance is, is like a unicorn trait, is what I like to call it. It shows up, <laughs> it shows up when it wants to. <laughs> and um, and it, it doesn't often compare with good garden performance. Or um, maybe it doesn't compare with a rose that opens very well because it gets botrytis because it's, it's too, too roughly. So, you know... Our collection, if you look across it, is 
it's a culmination of breeding ever since the 50s and 60s. So it has taken that long to come up with enough roses that have garden performance, fragrance, high petal count, um, and uh, great vase life too. So it's the beautiful thing about fragrance. I just love trying to find its fragrant profile. Roses generally fit under like four different profiles. And um, every nose is a little bit different. <laughs> and it could depend on the, type, the, the time of day when someone is smelling that rose. But generally they fall into four. Generally there's like a very like citrus um, smell, like like oranges or lemons. Um, there's some roses that have that really strong mm -hmm. um, kind of acidic smell to them. Then there's the roses that have that really fresh uh, smell, kind of like baby powder or linen or soap. Um, and then there's the spicy ones, the ones that smell like cloves or cinnamon um, and have that spice. You know, examples like Bolero is very, very spicy. You can smell it and you're like, wow, that smells like, <laughs> like I'm holding, holding cloves in my hands. Um, and then the fourth one is kind of a, like wild card. <laughs> you know, um, those are the ones where you get kind of that uh, licorice um, flavor, sometimes like grass. Um, where there's kind of a wild card um, in there. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so it's really fun trying to, um, one of the things I'm selecting for is, is, is I want to make sure we have different fragrance profiles so that you can enjoy and create bouquets. You can bring bouquets in, you can have a lemony, sugary one that's really sweet, or you can have one that's really fruity. Um, so we want to we want to teach people about that because it's a big part of the rose industry and teach people how to create bouquets with different fragrances and, and so you could enjoy them inside. Absolutely. <clears throat> That's such great information because, you know, I can have a very fragrant rose in my garden in the morning, but by afternoon, you know, it's not yeah. very fragrant or vice versa. Sometimes the fragrance mm -hmm. comes alive in the heat of the day. So so it is very subjective and um, and time of day has a lot to do with it. But it's so nice that uh, a lot of attention is being given to fragrance because it is something that attaches to our our memories, our just our pleasure. And in some ways, I think our health. So they say that the rose fragrance is relaxing and to people. And so there's just so many good things about it. And, and I'm so glad that you guys are you know, that is something that's very important to the growers and the breeders in uh, bringing the fragrance back. So, so good work on that. Now, no matter how many roses I have, I'm always over the moon to hear about the new ones. And you have a lot of beautiful new ones to talk about today. The first one on our list is gorgeous and it sounds delicious. Raspberry cupcake. Yeah. Raspberry cupcake. This, this comes from Cordes. Um, they're our breeder partner in Germany and I had a chance to visit them uh, this this summer for the first time and got to see their amazing rose fields and their development. And <clears throat> with Cortez, it's kind of interesting because they don't even send us roses until they've tested them for 10 years across all of their trial sites. So um, anytime you see a rose that's from Cortez that comes to us, you know that that, that rose has been through the ringer. Um, so raspberry cupcake, it's, 
<laughs> Kristen Smith, she's our Rose Trial uh, Manager at, at Star Rosa. She's been with the company for a really long time. Um, we always like to say, oh, there's the cordis genetics. You can see it. <laughs> you know, they have <laughs> such a unique um, genetic profile and how they perform. And Raspberry Cupcake is like the culmination of their breeding. So it, it has a, it's a beautiful pink with like lavender undertones. Um, the reason why we call it Raspberry Cupcake is because of its fragrance profile. So it has a very raspberry um, with a little bit of a lemon scent to it. Uh, but it's very, very strong. Um, it has a ruffled petal. So kind of reminded us of like a cupcake wrapper. Um, one of the things I love about Raspberry Cupcake, it's a hybrid tea. Um, and generally hybrid teas are very, very upright, right? They're kind of a little bit bare at the mm -hmm. bottom and they're very, very tall and upright. Raspberry Cupcake is very bushy. So, um, which is unusual for a hybrid tea. A lot of the breeders are working on um, form and height on hybrid teas. Over the next 10 years, you're going to see more of this, this habit and this profile from us, from all of our breeders, um, but especially from Cordes and Mayon. Uh, so Raspberry Cupcake is kind of like one of the first in this kind of arena to do this. Um, the flower itself has over 65 <laughs> petals on average, and it has excellent resistance to black spot. Um, it's one of the few roses in our trial gardens in Pennsylvania that always has flowers on it, even in the summer. You know, uh, Jacques, Jacques called uh, the, the trial gardens in Pennsylvania rose hell. And it's true because we're trying to kill roses. We have every <laughs> single rose disease in that garden that you can't. We don't spray. We don't irrigate. We don't prune. We, don't, we just plant it and forget about it. And then we test it and see. Okay, if someone were to plant this in the back corner of the property and never do anything with it, what would happen? Um, so it's it's a really tough uh, filter um, before it goes out to external trials. So Raspberry Cupcake is one of the few roses that always has flowers on it. And, and uh, Thomas Knoll, the, the breeder over in, in Cordes, says his description of it, it's very busy because it's always setting flower buds. So I've always, I've always loved that terminology from him. They're very busy. It's very, very busy. Um, so as you can imagine, we this was a new introduction to our Scentables collection uh, because of that fragrance, its performance, its romantic 65 plus petals. Um, so if you're looking for one of those roses that can bloom all summer, super low maintenance, stays a little bushier, and is fragrant, Raspberry Cupcake is such a great option. Well, I'm in a, one of those a little bit tricky zones for some roses, 5B, but all the cordis roses do well for my, for, for me and my garden. And when you see the words, you see it, how beautiful it is, and you see the words extremely fragrant, excellent disease resistant, you know, it's going to be a winner for sure in your garden. And I remember the days when <laughs> Jock used to say, we send our roses to rose hell so that doesn't happen in your backyard. So yeah yeah exactly thank or, you thank you yeah. <laughs> you know it's funny some of our breeders uh they they sometimes like to complain you 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 trial too hard you trial too hard it's like well you know what there's a reason why we've been around for 125 years and and our roses are fantastic is because is uh we're very strict it's gotta pass rose hell or else uh 
Only the best and nothing less is what Annabelle likes to say. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. Now, our second rose is one that was released in this year. And some, I know some people who have it and they just say they're raving about it. And that's top cream. Yeah, top cream. Oh my gosh. Um, Just gorgeous. We talked a little bit about those trends with that kind of ivory, creamy whites. Um, Very romantic, over a hundred petals on average and the fragrance on top cream is incredible it smells like pears um there's a little bit of spice in there too it reminded me of like i don't know if you ever had like poached pears where you put like cinnamon on them mm-hmm. um, but that, that's just what that fragrance reminds me of um i had a chance to visit <clears throat> life in rose farm down in texas in july as you can imagine how hot and dry um mm-hmm. it is down there and um she loves top cream. She's a, a fresh cut rose grower and she also sells bare root online. And um, she's a lot of different varieties in her garden. And top cream is one of the few that just keep kept going. She goes, I couldn't believe it. Um, it's, it's one of her favorite roses. And um, so it's great cut flower. It gets a little bit of pink in the center when the, when the temperatures are a little bit cooler. Um, and if you compare this to other like industry, like quote unquote fragrant roses, it, um, we have a commercial comparison bed, uh, at, in Pennsylvania and these creamy whites, um, they tend to defoliate some of the older ones. And so top cream is just, it looks gorgeous all, all season long, even in humid climates. Um, and you look at some of the other industry kind of uh, creamy color ones and they're completely defoliated in the summer. So, um, just a, just a breakthrough and disease resistance in this type of rose. It's gorgeous. It, it, that old fashioned bloom and, uh, the color, I, I love it that it gets a little pink in it too. And, um, yeah, this is, this is a beauty. This is yeah. Really, really beauty. Yeah. It, uh, it was, um, featured on the cover of horticulture magazine. Um, so we've we've been getting a lot of really great feedback from um, end consumers. You know, 23 was the first year it was on the market where people could purchase it. And um, just the uh, ravings about it have been great. So uh, as you can imagine, it's also part of our Scentables collection as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, another collection of roses that um, has been very popular is the Sunblaze. So tell us about the new ones in the Sunblaze collection. Yeah, sunblaze are our sun-loving miniature roses. So sometimes when you think of miniature roses, you, you might think of like the grocery store or those things you get for like Mother's Day that you put on your table and you kind of throw away, or maybe you try one out in the garden and they kind of defoliated, um, or maybe they didn't overwinter. Um, sunblaze came along years ago um, as a as a way to bring the breeding of garden roses into miniatures. So. The lem- there's four new colors that we've introduced recently, and um, we're always replacing colors with better colors, better colors, better disease resistance, better landscape performance. Um, so we have four new ones. There's lemon, and lemon is the largest flowering miniature rose that we have at Star Roses. Um, you know, generally, when you think of a miniature rose, you think, okay, maybe it'll be a half inch, maybe maybe three quarters of an inch. Um, Sunblaze Lemon gets one to one and a half inches across. Mm. It has a really pretty sweet 
uh, lemon yellow, um, and, it, and it finishes a pretty cream. So very disease resistant. Um, like I said, that, that kind of creamy, yellowy color is coming mm -hmm. back into vogue. So um, we've seen a lot of people uh, really um, interested in this one. It's a good, good color. Yeah. Uh, peach is the next one. This is my favorite. <laughs> this is my favorite Sunblaze. If you want to try one miniature, you should try Sunblaze Peach. Um, it has this beautiful ombre coloration to it where it has pink, yellow, and coral all in the same flower. And once again, much larger flower that you would think of on a miniature rose. So um, the, those colorations, those like apricotty coral ombre colors are really hot right now, especially in brick and mortar retail. Um, so definitely if, if, uh, if you just want to try one, try a peach. Oh, that one's pretty. That, that's going to, that would be so good in a container up close to where it's just a great little pop of color. Um, very pretty. Yeah. Some blaze roses do great in containers. And um, the great thing about them is they, they bloom all summer, um, especially these newer ones. They just um, have a more higher propensity to set flower buds, even when it's hot. Um, the next one, these are brand new. The next two are brand new in um, 24. So you're going to see them for the first time this spring. Um, there's watermelon. Um, red miniature roses are known for not being very disease resistant. <laughs> so we finally found a red that has great disease resistance. Um, we called it watermelon because when you when the petals open up at the base of the petal, it has a little bit of like a yellow and a green. So it, looked, it just reminded me of like a watermelon rind. Um, but it's just a beautiful red. It's a good red. It's a real good red. Yeah. And then our last one, um, this one almost became a drift rose. It's that disease resistant. And that's saying something for a miniature rose. Um, if you walk out in our field, trial fields in Pennsylvania in the middle of the summer, every single miniature rose that comes to us that we're trialing is completely defoliated. Um, but passion fruit uh, is not. It is incredible. Um, it is the darkest pink sunblaze we've ever introduced. If you're looking for that really dark, rich uh, pink uh, passion fruit is definitely, or excuse me, dragon fruit is definitely the one. So. Oh, it's beauty. It's a beauty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that, those are our newest um, introductions of sunblaze in, in that series. We have lots of other beautiful colors as well, but just great for container gardeners. Now, there's some new ones coming out in the Knockout series as well. Yeah, we actually introduced two, you're going to see two new Knockouts on the market in, in spring 24. So um, the last time we introduced a Knockout was Petite. And so we've got two new amazing stories to tell you. And the first one is called the Easy Beasy. And this is the first Knockout from our own internal breeding at Star. Um, so this comes directly from Star, and it was really about taking Sunny Knockout and improving it. Ooh. So, um, you know, Easy Beasy has more flower power, it sets more flower buds, and it has a longer lasting yellow. So Sunny is really pretty and sunny for a couple days, whereas Easy Beasy will last a week or longer, have that beautiful yellow. 
Um, it also doesn't have a rest period in the summer like Sunny does. It's always blooming. And its disease resistance is even better. Um, so this is truly a no-spray rose. It's, an, it's a single, so it has that nice open form so pollinators can access that, that sweet nectar. So, you know, we named it Easy Beezy because it's always covered in pollinators. And because it's a true no-spray rose, um, you know you can, with confidence, plant a rose in your pollinator garden that's going to bloom all season and that's going to be healthy and safe for our pollinators. It's and, very, very pretty. Oh, I'm loving the picture. And I'm, I'm sure that it's much prettier in person. And you can see why it's named Beezy because I'm sure the bees all love it. Oh, they do. Yeah, it's funny. Some roses um, just are, when you walk through the trout fields, it's like, wow, it's just there for some reason, like a lot of the polyanthotypes, um, a lot of the singles. and But part of it, too, that, that attracts <clears throat> pollinators to a flower is fragrance. And Easy Beasy has a fragrance, which is nice. It has a nice kind of mild citrus fragrance to it. Oh, nice. That's a big bonus. Yeah. Very and then cool. our And then our, our next introduction comes from Mr. Will Radler. Um, and it's our very first ever orange knockout. So um, then that's, we call it, we named it Orange Glow. And there's a reason why we named it that. Um, when we were doing the trials on this, something that we noticed is even on really cloudy, overcast, kind of rainy days, Orange Glow was just luminescent. Um, it had that really beautiful, bright orange. And it, it literally glowed, um, especially <laughs> against its lime green foliage. It's very, very bright and happy. So uh, we wanted to call it Orange Glow to kind of highlight not just the color, but just a really unique feature to, to it. Um, we're calling this the most disease-resistant knockout we've ever introduced because it has rust resistance. So this is an amazing knockout for the West Coast as well as the yes. East Coast. So it has more petals and paired with the rust resistance, that gorgeous orange color and with that lime green foliage, um, it really deserved to be a knockout and um, it's an exciting find. Oh, really pretty. I can, I can see where it gets its glow name. <laughs> it comes yeah. through even in a picture. <laughs> It does. And that's, that's saying something because it's, you know, it's so hard with rose photography. It's, it's so hard to capture the essence of what you can see in person. But um, Orange Glow comes across really beautifully in pictures, too. So, Well, our next one is really a, definitely a throwback to the grandmother flower type Romantica ball gown. Ooh, what a beautiful rose and that cabbage rose look. It does. It has that really old-fashioned cabbage shape mm -hmm. with that with the with the quartered bloom. Um, it's just there's so many petals in there. It has over a hundred petals on average. Um, Romantica is a series of roses um, from Mayon. So Mayon is our uh, partner breeder partner in France. They have produced some of the most amazing roses, um, including the Peace Rose. Um, but we love the Romantica series because it's everything we're looking for, right? It's that grandma mm -hmm. uh, look, it's the high petal counts, the fragrance, it, but it's paired with modern genetics. 
so you don't you know you don't have to worry about spraying and and doing too much to it as is extremely disease resistant. This rose has performed well all over the country. We have 14 different trial sites. It's something that's really unique to star roses and plants that I hope everyone realizes. And you should always ask the question, where is this trial? Was this trial where I live? Um, because we, we are one of the only rose uh, companies in the nation that trial in 14 different sites for multiple years because um, we want to make sure that that rose is going to perform like we say it's going to. Um, so Romantica Ball Gown is one of those. It's, 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 uh, it has performed well everywhere. So, um, so people can enjoy and bringing cut flowers in and not have to worry about all the work. Well, this is um, a cottage garden, a cottage gardener's dream rose. <laughs> Sounds like to me. <laughs> it is. And you know what? <laughs> Guess what my favorite thing about it is? What? <laughs> it's, it's the fragrance. It has a really unique fragrance. This, when you smell this, it, it will just take you back to, it, it smells like uh, fresh linen, baby powder. Like you just hung like laundry out on the line. Like it has that really fresh fragrance and it's so strong. So um, this would be an amazing smell to bring into your home. Right. So mm -hmm. to, to, to cut that and bring it in and have that fresh smell um, is, is really a great experience, too. Well, when you see words like intense fragrance and it can be described as classic rose with notes of grass and powder, that's pretty perfect. It is. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty perfect. Yeah. Well, lucky for me, um, as I've been um, getting my garden ready for fall, I found at least three places where my cottage garden needs a rose. So lucky me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, romantic ball gown, just make sure you put it somewhere where it can get nice and tall because it is a very tall, upright hybrid tea. So um, just prepare for that. It's, um, you know, it's going to get anywhere from five to six feet tall. And some of the more southern gardens in California, it could get even taller than that. So Ooh. just make sure you put it in the right spot. Um, and allow it to, to do its thing. So. Oh, good to know. Good to know. What about the width on it? It's uh, because it has that really upright shape. It's, it has that typical hybrid T, you know, two to three feet wide. Um, mm -hmm. So, so very tall and very upright. Great. Good. Well, we have another beauty, desert sky. A great color on this one. Yeah, this one is, um, probably my, one of my personal favorite new introductions for 2024. Um, we talked a little earlier about some of those color trends and this starts mm -hmm. out, we named it because it reminds me of like the red rock country in this, in the Southwest part of the United States. It has that like cedar undertone. So it, it starts off with um, like a cedar colored bloom and then it goes to orange and then it finishes mauve. So you get this amazing, like, multi-color effect um, mm -hmm. on the plant. The, one of the things I love about this is that it's super compact. So, um, you know, you're probably familiar with hot cocoa. That's a, that's a great mm -hmm. rose. It's been around a long time. It has that beautiful color, um, kind of that deep cedar color in it. Desert Sky is like the next version that's more compact. 
So this has disease resistance and it stays nice and short and compact. It's a great rose for like under your window or at the very front of the garden because it stays under two and a half feet tall. It also performs wonderfully in containers as well. Um, it has a really light cinnamon fragrance too. Um, you really, you know, depending upon the time of day, but it also has that kind of spice uh, fragrance undertone. Mm, it's an unusual color, but a beautiful color. I really, really like it. Yeah. So our next one has a yummy, a yummy name, cherries and champagne. Yeah. So, you know, one of the features in roses that is really desirable that we're always looking for is a, is called a reverse where there's one color on one side of the petal and another color on the opposite side. So like an old, like some of the older varieties have been out for a long time. Like you think of love, um, is, is kind of well known for mm -hmm, that uh, yeah. ketchup ketchup and mustard um, so but cherries and champagne has something a little bit a little bit more elegant and unique to it and the fact that it has a color changing reverse so when it first comes out it's red with a with a yellow reverse and as it ages it goes dark pink with a cream and so as you get more and more flowers on the plant you get this kind of multi-tonal effect so um, it's just such a beautiful, um, it's just such a beautiful display of flowers. It's kind of one of those things you got to see it, um, to appreciate it, but it also has a really nice dark glossy foliage to it, which helps those colors stand out even more. Mm -hmm. Well, that's my favorite foliage. I love that dark glossy foliage. It just, it just kind of makes that, that color pop for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our last, I think this is our last one. It is a gorgeous one. Powder Puff Pink. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> this was bred by Dr. Uh, Jim Sproul uh, right in Bakersfield, California. So he's um, a breeder right here in the U.S. And he has such a unique breeding uh, ancestry in his, in, in his roses. And so we get a lot of really amazing colors out of him. But this one had something that we hadn't seen before. Whenever, well, the first time I ever saw this was um, in California in one of our trial sites. We have two trial sites in California. And we're going along and there's, you know, we have thousands and thousands of roses that we're trialing <laughs> at any one time. And I, and when I was going by this, I thought, why, why is there a peony in the middle of our roses? You know, oh. and, and I walked up to him like, oh my gosh, that's, that's not a peony. That's a rose. Um, it has, it, it's, it's often mistaken and it's not just me. People will be like, wow, that looks like a peony. So it has a, um, it has a really unique bud shape. It's very round, like a peony bud. Mm -hmm. um so it's like this perfect little marble and as it opens it has that peony shaped flower to it it's it has multiple flowers per stem and so you get this like some rounded buds some open flowers and, you, and every single stem is just like this puff of pink um so one of our marketing uh, our marketing <laughs> manager susan she she named this rose because she walked out she's like oh my gosh it's like a power puff i'm like i know that's a, that's a great name for it 
um, and it's such an electric pink too. So um, if you're looking for a peony that blooms all summer, you should get Powerpuff Pink. <laughs> what are the size of the blooms when they're open? They're, they're a nice size. They're anywhere from like three to four inches, depending upon, you know, the time of year. Generally the spring flush, they're a little bit bigger. Um, but they do set buds all through the summer, which is fantastic too. So you get uh, that color all, all year long. It's a beautiful color. And that roughly edge always gets to me. I just love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, that's just... a beauty. Well, these are, you know, like I say, I've got three, at least three spots that would be great for roses. So you've certainly given me a lot to think about. But one of the issues I'm hearing from people is where can they purchase? Because, of course, they go to their local garden centers and even big box stores who all carry roses. But if you're looking for something specific, sometimes you just have a little harder time finding them. So what's your advice for that? Yeah, so, you know, Star Roses and Plants is, is the only rose breeder that does not sell directly to consumers online. And re- the reason why we don't do that is we actually try and support other online growers and support our customers. So we have some really great relationships with some different folks. Number one, um, you'll find a lot of our roses in in the Bloomables pot and the Sensibles collection. You'll, you can find them at big box stores. You can also find them online. Um, through those mass market merchandisers. Um, but we also have some really amazing uh, partners that sell these varieties online, like Life and Rose Farm, Menagerie, Heirloom, Edmonds, um, just to name a few. So a lot of times with these newer varieties, the best place to find them is some of those really high-end um sellers online because they're keeping track and they're coming to visit us and they know what's coming down the pipeline and mm-hmm. so they're the ones who there's the ones who get it first and so that's usually that's the best place to find them right away excellent um would you go through that list again i didn't hear the first two yeah life in rose farm menagerie mm-hmm. heirloom and edmunds Wonderful. You know, sometimes we see your roses there and, and we don't always know, is this a relationship that you have? And, you know, so it's so good to, for us to know that, um, you know, this, that you support this. This is a, a mutual relationship and that's really wonderful. Yeah, we want to support them. And, and um, a lot of times they'll have access to new roses the year before they even come out too. So, and you're going to see on some of their websites, they're going to be launching some 25 roses for us. So keep an eye out, keep an eye out for those (laughs) ones that we, ones that we haven't even talked about today. They're going to be launching them here in the next month or two. So um, just keep an eye out for those. We got some exciting stuff coming for 25. Well done on this a collection from today because we've really got something for everyone. Containers, the grandmother flowers, the standards. Uh, we've got our knockouts. I mean, uh, the miniatures. We've covered a lot of ground today. It's been wonderful to see these and to hear about them. Yeah, well, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk roses and introduce some new, some new roses to the market. So thank you so much. 
Well, Heidi, it's been just a pleasure to chat with you. And thanks for the work that you do. And uh, all of the star people, we appreciate them so much. And I do thank you for taking the time to share with us today. Yes, thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Well, friends, we're glad you joined us today. We've got a lot to be excited. (laughs) It's fall and we're ready to plan for spring. And we've got a lot to be excited about as we plan for new roses in our gardens. Well, until next time, have fun in your garden. You've been listening to the Rose Chat Podcast with Chris Van Cleve and Teresa Byington, expert rose gardeners who want to help you achieve the rose garden of your dreams. Don't miss an episode. Listen anytime on our website at rosechatpodcast.com or listen on the go via the Rose Chat app on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Share this podcast with your social networks and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag RoseChat. Join us next time for another edition of the Rose Chat Podcast. The Rose Chat Podcast is a production of the Rose Chat Media Group, Birmingham, Alabama.